May we indeed be filled with loving kindness. In fact, I think we're going to need extra loving kindness as we emerge from this pandemic and rejoin society, don't you think? Even though it's exciting that we're able to start coming out of isolation now, our world is different than it was before lockdown. And we're all different. And we're not even sure if the pandemic is truly receding. Many parts of the world are still suffering terribly. In fact, this is the first time in my living memory that the entire world has been impacted at the same time by a natural disaster. And in some ways, at least at the beginning, it connected us all. It showed us that we're not separate, that we're all tied together in one interconnected web. And some of you observant folks might have seen that I have our seventh principle on the wall behind me here, respecting the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. A year ago, Reverend Kikanzanuri Robbins shared with us the parallels between the story of Noah's Ark and our sudden lockdown and isolation. We went into the metaphorical arc as the storm hit in March, 2020 to try and survive this deluge. We hunkered down all over the world as the pandemic storm raged among us. And while we tragically lost hundreds of thousands of beloved fellow humans in this country and millions around the world, we've been riding out this storm together as one world community. Now we're beginning to see the floodwaters recede as dry land surfaces. The storm is gradually lessening and we're emerging bit by bit. But just as in Noah's story, we all have different speeds and approaches with which we emerge from that ark. Noah first sent out a raven to check out the world beyond the ark. And the raven flew out boldly as ravens do, and it never came back to the ark. Then Noah sent out a dove. The dove looked and looked for somewhere to land, but couldn't find anything it felt comfortable with. So it returned to the ark. After a week, Noah sent it out again. This time the dove came back carrying an olive branch which was a sign because Noah then knew that the water had gone down enough that trees were blossoming. But the dove still returned to the safety of the ark. And then after another week, Noah sent the dove out again. And this time it was ready to be out in the world on its own. And it didn't return. Like these birds, we'll all have different speeds and comfort levels with which we re-engage with the post-pandemic world. But first, before we leave the safety of the ark and jump right back into life as it was, it's important for our spiritual and emotional health to review what we've been through. And we did that with our story this morning and with a song during the offering. But I want us to have some time together to mourn our losses and examine what we've learned. This last year and a quarter has been so hard for so many. 
all of a sudden in March 2020, we had to cease most normal activities and hunker down in our homes. We stepped into our ark, not knowing what would await us or how long the storm would last. Everything stopped in its tracks from one moment to the next. And few of us imagined it would take more than a year before we reemerged. I remember thinking, oh, in three weeks or so, we'll be back at church. In fact, our chalice buildings are like a time capsule. I still have trash in my office from the week after our February 2020 auction. We have stuff in our chalice kitchen that we used for the auction over a, week, a year ago. The pictures on the walls in Fellowship Hall reflect the theme that we were studying in March 2020. And we had to abandon everything so suddenly as is usually the case in emergencies. I remember Willie Lupka and our racial justice team had organized an incredible Love Your Neighbor event for the wider community on the evening of March 12th. And that Thursday morning, everything began shutting down and we realized it wasn't safe to hold a big event at CLU that evening. Years worth of work and vision had gone into that event and it had to be completely abandoned from one day to the next. And that's, of course, just one of the many losses that we've dealt with over this past year. As you know, graduations were canceled, schools and colleges closed, weddings and memorials were postponed, family reunions put on hold, trips abandoned. And of course, gathering as a beloved church community in person was no longer possible. And then some of you lost loved ones to COVID or other illnesses or horrible accidents. And what made it worse, you weren't able to be with your families and friends during these times of great loss. You weren't able to travel or hug or gather in supportive community when you needed others more than ever. My heart goes out to you. And then there've been the accompanying mental health struggles. Many of you felt isolated, stressed or depressed. You've been lonely or lost throughout the year, being separated from family and community. And those who felt uncomfortable or unable to deal with computers were especially alone. Some of you lost your jobs or suffered income loss. And others have had to deal with huge stress in your work. Those in healthcare or on emergency front lines risked their own safety to help others. And of course, families had to deal with homeschooling children while working from home. And children were stir crazy with no playgrounds and sports or friends to play with, stuck in front of hours of Zoom classes. And those of you in relationships have had to navigate being together more, often in very confined spaces in the midst of extremely stressful times. If relationships were challenging before the pandemic, many became even more trying during it. And then there's Zoom, 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 Zoom. And though that technology has been life-saving for many of us and certainly our fellowship, it's also been a new kind of exhausting being on screens for many hours a day. There were so many ways people struggled over this past year. Please forgive me if I left out your particular battle. But this pandemic has been traumatic for everyone in unique ways. There's no underestimating its effects. So even as we begin to emerge slowly and cautiously, we may feel like that dove who goes out a little bit and comes right back. 
then goes out again and comes back. We're still in the midst of trauma. And many will be suffering from a subtle or a more obvious form of PTSD for a while. This trauma will have an unknown impact on each of us and on our society as we move forward. My friends, we've survived a collective crisis. We're encountering and processing our losses in different ways. So I think it's really important for our health that we take a moment to take stock of some of those losses, of all that we're grieving, all we've had to let go of and struggled with over the past year and a quarter. Anthony's going to play some music while we spend a moment reflecting on what we lost this past year and what we're grieving. So I invite us all to take a deep breath and close your eyes for a moment. Perhaps you wish to put one hand on your heart and another on your belly and just get in touch with the stress, the fear, the sorrow, and the grief that you may be holding in your body from this time. And then when you're ready and if you're willing, if you're willing to share, please write what losses and struggles you're mourning in the chat. Sharing them may help you and us feel more connected. Shane and I will endeavor to read many of them out and hold them sacred here together in our space. I can begin. I mourn for all those who lost loved ones during this time, who weren't able to be with them during their final days and hours, and who couldn't memorialize them in the way that they wanted. Please now write your sorrows or losses in the chat from this past year. I mourn for the kids that had a year of their childhood cut short, having to deal with missing friends and struggling with remote learning. Mm. Pamela mourns for the comfort of knowing I live in the stable democracy. Elma Williams misses classical music concerts. Ayana Gaines lost the ability to spend weekends with my younger son. That's hard. Uli Lubka shares, I mourn the loss of my sweet mom, Nancy. Sorry, Willie. Yes, we all miss her, Willie. Brian writes, I'm finding I've lost some social skills, finding it somewhat awkward to be with people. It used to be easy. Brian, you're not alone. Mike and Brandy write, Anne missed having a normal senior year of high school and prom. Nancy Arts writes, my sister passed away in North Carolina last August. Oh, I'm so sorry, Nancy. She had the comfort of her daughter, who is a nurse in the hospital where she died, but I wasn't able to see her before she died. There was no opportunity to say goodbye. That's so hard. Katie Morgan writes, I mourn for babies being born and missing strangers' smiles. Indeed. 
Amy writes, I lost a dear uncle and a wonderful friend to COVID. Mm. So sorry. April Fernald, I mourn the loss of carefree hugging. Ugh. Indeed. Carol Robinson writes, I mourn the loss of Bill, my husband of 51 years. It was hard not to be with him due to COVID while he was hospitalized. And Carol, we all mourn with you for the loss of Bill. Tom Wolf writes, months of COVID protocol separation from seeing my fiance in person. Must have been hard on your relationship. Yeah. Marcy writes, I mourn the loss of a whole year of in-person chalice circles. Yes. Pamela says, I mourn not being able to meet friends in restaurants. Nancy and Don write, I feel empathy for teacher friends who had to work so hard to deal with teaching online, indeed. Barbara and Gordon, loss of time with grandchildren. Sue Norton, I mourn the loss of trusting strangers. Hmm. Jill Slouch mourns the loss of relationships over conspiracy theories. It's tough. Really hard. So my beloveds, I invite us to take a moment. I know there are so many more things that you mourn. I invite you to put your hands on your hearts again and then take a deep breath. And you might wish to repeat after me, whispering to yourself, that was hard. That was a lot of trauma, pain and difficulty. I am so sorry. I am with you. We are here together. And Chuck writes that he mourns the loss of his mom. We weren't able to get together as a family to mourn it. May everyone be held in loving kindness and care as we mourn together. And we now light a special candle to honor the struggles and losses each of us has faced during this past year. Blessed be. Thank you, Anthony. And now my friends, we're amidst the many aftershocks that result from trauma, loss and grief. The world we're emerging, emerging into is different. We're different, we're changed. My friend and colleague, Reverend Sharon Wiley says, it's like we've all been on an airplane flight to some place we've never been to before. And now we've landed and we're about to exit the plane into unknown territory. 
And some of us are eager to get off the plane. We leap up as soon as the seatbelt sign is off to gather our belongings. And we stand with our bags in the aisle, eager to emerge and explore our new destination. But others of us prefer to wait in our seats while those people get up and go. And we gather our things slowly and prepare to exit without rushing. Unsure of what lies ahead, we all have different timing. And we need to honor that, different speeds with which we want to explore our new reality. Also, we may have discovered new things about ourselves and our life this year that we don't want to leave behind in our new reality. As life slowed down and we turned inward more, we may have become more reflective about how we're living. Perhaps we found out we enjoy more alone time than we thought. Or we may have discovered we're not as much of an extrovert or that we've even more introverted than we imagined. Or indeed, we may have understood how much we need and crave the company and hugs of others. Perhaps we realized we didn't actually like our previous lifestyle or our work. We may have found out we don't wanna be as busy as we were before, running from one thing to the next, saying yes to too many things. Or we realize that we really love and miss being around others so much and that we're hungry to gobble up all that life has to offer. Alternatively, we may have uncovered new fears or realized we need to put up certain boundaries in our lives. We all have new understandings and comfort levels about personal space, germs, touch, masks, and how diseases are transmitted now. Our sense of safety and community may have been forever altered. So my beloveds, what are some of the things you learned during this time? What's your growing understanding about who you are and what you need as we emerge? I invite you now to briefly share some of the lessons you learned in the chat so that we can witness some of our collective learning over the past year and a quarter. I learned, for example, how important hugs are to me but that I need to ask people now before hugging. How about you? If you're willing now, I invite you to share what it is that you learned in the chat. I learned that something as simple as washing your hands more often can be a huge act of kindness. That's right. Nancy and Don write that I learned to enjoy my own company more than I realized. And Brian P. said he learned how to be of service by way of Zoom support. You certainly did, Brian. Brian's the one running everything here behind, behind the scenes. Thank you, Brian, so much. And Marcy Wingard learned that it is really nice to sit in the kitchen and watch the birds and squirrels and bunnies outside. Sounds like being present, Marcy, to see what's really going on. Yes. How about some of the rest of you? What have you learned? Barb Jimerson learned to slow down, yes. Ayana learned how much friends mean to her. Anahi, I remembered Mother Teresa's words when she said, I know God would not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Pamela and Matthew right? we learned the three of us can be together 24 seven for over a year and still like each other. That's wonderful. Randall learned that I love having my adult children living at home. Mm, that's been a gift for many of you, I know. 
Katie Morgan writes, the quiet allowed me to hear the voice in my head, to get involved for change outside of my own community. Yes. Ellen Smith writes, I learned to enjoy a much less frenetic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. All of us had to adjust our life. Yes. Mike and Brandy write, Anne learned that she likes being with people more than she previously thought. How wonderful. Sue Norton learned that trying to secure benefits can be unjust and impossible and to empathize with those who can't figure out how to get help. Mm. Thelma Williams writes, I learned to experience the ocean waves to release my anxieties. How beautiful to throw it into the ocean, take it away. Amy Sillers, I learned to deeply appreciate the little things I used to take for granted, hugs, smiles, being with other people, and so much more. Mm. Oh, oh, Jim Fife writes, we learned that we can go to church together in California, even though we live in New York. I know that is so awesome. It's so wonderful to have you both with us. Jill Lewis, I learned I miss socializing more than I thought. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that. Oh, my friends, those are a lot. Oh, Kelly, you better read Kelly's, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about who my daughters really are and how much I love them. Mm. Ditto. Mm. Great. Those are a lot of valuable lessons, my friends. So to signify, oh, there's another one from Brian. Do you want to read that, Shane? I've learned to be more appreciative of our staff and minister. Nika with her inspiring sermons, Sam with her upbeat and meaningful stories, and Anthony with his skills to play learning music and improvise on request. I know, Anthony is amazing. I said, okay, Anthony, play morning music, then learning music, and he just does it. So <laughs> are we lucky? So to signify all the lessons we've learned, my friends, I'm gonna drop a stone in this bowl of water. I don't know if you can see, but it's filled with water. The ripples in the water remind us how these lessons impact us all. And I encourage you later today to perhaps spend some time journaling about which of these lessons you'd like to remember and bring with you as you emerge. You can even save the chat at the end of this service. It's important to take stock of these lessons before life sweeps us along down a new current. Emerging from the arc of the last year can be both scary and exciting, and it's a leap of faith to be sure. A beloved who's a cancer survivor shared with me her experience of emerging from the trauma of battling a life-threatening illness. While you're undergoing the illness or trauma, you're hunkered down and you're completely engrossed in surviving, and that's all you must do. You can be laser focused on making it through, saving your energy for that moment to moment, day by day. And that's what we've been doing for the past year or so, hunkering down to survive this time. But once you get past the immediate emergency she shared, you realize that you've survived. And now you have the rest of your life before you and a whole new outlook on life. And it's often then 
that the real struggle sets in. After surviving trauma, depression or fear can engulf us and our mental health can struggle. It's when PTSD can appear. And we see it in our society as we gradually emerge. There's a huge increase in violence and shootings. And people have been cooped up, often in toxic environments, struggling to make it through from day to day. And it's all taken a huge toll on people's capacity to cope. Others have forgotten how to be with people, as Brian mentioned earlier. They may blurt out inappropriate remarks or be particularly reactive or behave in unusual ways. My friends, we need to expect strange behavior from one another as people find their new normal and reintegrate into society. So we might wish to be even more mindful in this new reality than before. I invite us, in fact, to be extra kind and forgiving of one another. Find additional compassion. Take things slowly. We've all been impacted in some way by this time, so it's good to be gentle with yourself as you go back and out into the world. Of course, it's normal to feel nervous or cautious or even resistant to going back to life as it was. So I encourage you to set your own pace and find your comfort level. Be honest with yourself and one another, how you're feeling about re-engaging with society. I also invite us to practice deep breathing or other relaxation techniques like yoga or mindfulness, which you can draw on when you feel anxious being out and about. If things stress you out, stop, take a breath. Know that you have these tools at your disposal and you can always excuse yourself if your anxiety levels rise and take a moment, take some time out. This is why our reopening task force, the board and I have developed an addendum to our congregational covenant. It's a set of agreements and mindful observations about a post COVID way of being together. We want to be aware that our comfort levels around personal space, contact and touching have changed. We're going to share the full covenant at our annual meeting after this service, but it includes things like acting in a way that cares for the most vulnerable among us, developing new ways to connect and asking people before touching, hugging or entering someone's personal space. Recognizing that anxiety levels vary greatly among us and inviting us to be humble, patient and act with kindness as we travel and learn new ways of being together. We'll also need to look at the ways we do church in person to see what's gonna work in this new reality and what will need to be changed. It won't be perfect out of the gate, so we invite your patience. The fact that many families have children under 12 who can't be vaccinated makes engaging with our fellowship very challenging for them. It looks like we have herd immunity among our adults in the fellowship, but our children and those who are immune compromised will still need to be protected as they remain vulnerable to this pandemic. Therefore, we're undertaking a gradual, thoughtful approach to reopening, trying to protect the most vulnerable among, among us in our decisions. So I invite us to embrace what one of my colleagues calls, and I love this term, sacred flexibility. Embrace being flexible 
as a spiritual practice. And if there's one thing we've learned, it's that we have no idea what the future brings. Our seemingly predictable world is no longer so predictable. We actually have no idea how things are gonna be next month, let alone three months from now. So I invite us to be curious and maintain an attitude of flexibility and patience. But we also have a great opportunity as we re-emerge into life. This last year has shown us the power of digital ministry as we've reached people all over the country and world. So for church to be relevant going forward, we need to be more inclusive and redefine engagement with Unitarian Universalism and our community as our physical walls diminish. We also get to redesign life in a way that's more authentic, considerate and manageable than before. Rather than rushing through our days unconsciously, I invite us to check in with ourselves and one another more. Ask yourself, do you want to hug people or do you prefer to maintain a little more distance? Ask each other, are you open to a hug or would you prefer a space or using a namaste greeting? Find out who in a group that you're planning might not feel comfortable with arrangements. Explore whether a meeting would be more convenient online than in person. Check in with yourself and others to see what you need to feel comfortable re-entering the world. And then I invite you to think about what's best for the greater whole, because that's what we do in community. My friends, we have an opportunity now to cherish everything anew. We have a chance to be present and appreciative of this moment to value our precious lives and world with new eyes. So I urge us not to return to normal. Instead, find a new normal informed by our lessons. What's our great realization that allows us to create a better society and a stronger, more loving community? Much of how this will unfold for you won't be revealed until you're faced with life as it was. And then you get to decide if you want it to be the same or different, informed by our lessons. So what might you wish to bring into our new reality? How can we move society forwards towards a more loving, just and conscious way of coexisting? What did you learn in the pandemic that you'd like to bring with you out of the ark into the new land? We get to live with more intentionality now. So what wisdom or new understanding would you like to carry with you as you exit the plane? And this is where Anthony plays future music. I know for me that what I wanna bring is a way of being that's less stressful and rushed, a way of living and working that's more sustainable over the long haul. What about you? If you're willing now, please share what it is for you in the chat. Something I want to hold on to is just the massive respect towards doctors and nurses and everyone in the healthcare industry that really, literally put their lives on the line for our health. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for lifting that up, Shane. Yeah, I, I love uh, this is emerging future music. <laughs> what, what do some of the rest of you? want to bring into the future with you. 
Mossy writes, I want to hold on to the two women I spent a lot of time with during the pandemic and appreciate how close we've gotten. Yes, friendships had a chance to deepen. That's beautiful. Katie Morgan, less driving, more involvement, thanks to Zoom. Mm. There. Aline writes, the importance of essential workers, never to take them for granted again. Yes, indeed. Ayana wants to continue her deepened relationships with my mom and my boys. Sylvia Kasberg writes, a curious mind, yes. Jill Lewis, slower and more mindful intentions in relationship. Randall Edwards, appreciating everything, not taking all of our blessings for granted, indeed. Barbara and Gordon, virtual group lobbying for justice with legislators. Yes. Wow. Great. Yes. Ryan Pletcher, I want to hold more dearly the future time spent with family. Yes. Jill and Peter Schlaus, doing less, moving through this beautiful world with more intention and deliberation. Pamela, I want to hold on to choosing instead of just doing. Beautiful. Tom Wolf, gratitude for each morning. Yeah. Each new day. Amy Siller is the level of resilience we're all capable of, yes. If we could get through this, we can get through anything. We are so capable of so much, indeed. And I think, oh, there's more. Go ahead, Shane. Marion Floyd, learn how to encourage others to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yes, the more of us get vaccinated, the more we can be safe together with one another. Well, thank you for all of those ideas and wisdom. So I invite you to think of or look for a symbol that represents what you want to bring with you into this new reality. For me, it's actually a budding rose that I picked in my garden this morning. The rose opens slowly into its full bloom. And just as we sang earlier, I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. The rose in that song remind me to be gentle, to listen within and to have the courage to unfold slowly. So what might you choose as a symbol to support your emergence? And you don't have to think about it right now, but I encourage you as you go into your day to think of something that you can have close by to remind you of what lessons you want to bring out into new, the new reality with you. My beloveds, may we take stock of what we've learned and carry those lessons forward. May we help co-create a new future filled with wisdom from this experience. And may we treat ourselves and others with kindness, patience, and sacred flexibility. May it be so. Amen. Please join us now for a closing hymn to remember that we can go on together. <laughs>